We're spending the weeks leading up to Christmas going about the business of unpacking Christmas. Rather than rush into the heart of the Christmas story with the baby in the manger, with the shepherds on the hillside, with the angels making their announcements, rather than ripping open the story in our excitement and joy, we're going to take some time, take a few weeks, and unpack Christmas. And I think as we do that, as we, as we take a little time there, we find ourselves ready to receive the joy of Christmas because we understand the preparation that, that God put into place as He prepared our world to receive His Son. And maybe we understand the preparation that's in place as we prepare our hearts to receive His Son. And so the story in Luke chapter 1, the story doesn't begin with Mary or Joseph. It doesn't begin with Jesus. It doesn't begin with angels. Uh, it begins with an angel. But, but it begins with another couple. This couple's name is Zechariah and Elizabeth. And the opening verses of Luke chapter 1 tell us much that we need to know about them. Verse 5, we're told, In the days of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before, the, before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. There's a need that they have. There's a longing. There is an emptiness in their lives. There's an emptiness in their home. And then Luke describes them as advanced in years. I think there comes a point when we get comfortable with our needs. When we get accustomed to having a need. And so, as we meet them, they've given up hope that they've given up any hope that anything is ever going to change. And then all of a sudden, everything changes. You go on down into verse 11. And there appeared to him, that is to Zechariah, an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord." You read that, and you think, wow, you know, Zechariah has got to be excited. He has got to be overjoyed that, that this is happening now. But after a lifetime of disappointment, joy doesn't come easy. Despite the fact that there's an angel standing right in front of him, uh, despite the fact that, uh, that there's an angel right there, Zechariah is full of doubts. And he speaks out of those doubts. And that's where we pick up the story today still in chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. 
And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. You know, there are different kinds of doubt. And doubt shouldn't frighten us. Doubt isn't something that we should be ashamed of. And and doubt is something that we need to be willing to work through. Doubt needs to be explored. and, And doubt needs to be understood. But look at Zechariah's doubt. Zechariah has a very particular kind of doubt, and and maybe it's the kind of doubt that you've had before also. He says in verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? Some of your Bibles, some of you are using NIV Bibles, and if you've got an NIV Bible, the NIV says, how can I be sure of this? One paraphrase of the Bible, we call it the message. I really enjoy reading from the message. The message gets directly at it. The message, in the message, Zechariah says to the angel, Do you expect me to believe this? Do you expect me to, to believe this? This is the kind of doubt that says this can't be changed. This can't be fixed. This is the kind of doubt that denies God's power and God's grace in our lives. The other night, Trish and I were working on her iPhone. Uh, her iPhone had it, it wouldn't back up. If any of you have one, you, you know there's frustrations every now and then. As wonderful as they are, there are frustrations. And her iPhone would not back up. And so I did some reading. I said, oh, it's an easy fix. And so, and so we were fixing it. 24 hours later, we were still fixing it. You know, it, it, it wasn't that easy. And it was getting very frustrating because everything that we tried didn't work. And finally, it had been, it had been 24 hours. And, and we're running this one last thing we're going to try. And it's running, and the little line that says it's backing up, that little line's going across. And I said, look, it looks like it's working. And Trish said, it's not going to work. And I said, well, how do you know it's not going to work? She said, I don't, but it's easier to believe that it won't work. Because then I can't be disappointed. Now that's, that's a great philosophy when you're talking about your phone or Oh, these screens up here that for some reason didn't work last week. It's, it's a nice way to, to get that in your head. It's not going to work because then I can't be disappointed. That's one thing when it's technology. It's another thing when it's our hearts. When it's a, a change of heart or a change within me or my understanding of God's forgiveness. Has God really forgiven me? Yeah, that won't work. Jesus died on the cross to free me of my sins so that I could know peace with God. That won't work. When it's a doubt about our heart or maybe the heart of someone that we love, when it's it's the end of of a lifetime of disappointment, it's easier to believe that it won't work. That's the kind of doubt we see in Zechariah. And that's the kind of doubt that can eat us up, that can destroy our faith. And what Zechariah experiences here shows us that, that that kind of doubt can cause us to miss out on what God is doing in our lives. So when we meet Zechariah, he is in the middle of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And I'd explained some of this last week. Zechariah is serving as a priest in the temple 
And he has been chosen to go into the holy place, which is the room just outside of the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant had resided. Uh, he he is the, has been chosen to go into the holy place and offer incense on the altar. An individual priest could only do this once in a lifetime. By the way, there were about 8,000 priests who served part-time in the temple. You didn't serve all the time. You, you served when it was, your, it was your time. Side note here for those of you who are interested in this stuff, one of the reasons why we can date pretty accurately the birth of Jesus is because we can date the time when Zechariah's line would have been serving in the temple. We have records of when Zechariah's line served in the temple. So we can do the math and we can figure out when the line of Abijah had served, when the last time they served was, and then we can know that Zechariah was there, and then we just do the math and we add up and it was about a year before Jesus was born. So isn't that great? Isn't that really cool? It's one of those amazing things where we've got documents that back up what the Bible tells us. Zechariah had this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. 8,000 priests serving in the temple. There was never any guarantee that he would be chosen to offer the incense, but he had prepared his entire life for this one day. He had prepared his entire life to go and serve that incense, to, to offer that incense on that one day. He's got the understanding of the job down. He's got it here, but he doesn't have it here because he's given up hope he knows what he has to do, but he doesn't have any faith at all in what God is going to do through him and, and in his family, in his life. His job was like that. And his prayer was like that too. Do you remember his prayer? It says in verse 13, the angel says to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Zechariah had been praying for a son. Now, maybe he had given up praying years earlier. We, we don't know. Maybe he had quit praying after a while for a son. Or maybe, maybe he kept praying, but there came a point when it was easier to believe that the prayer wasn't going to work. Either way, when he meets the angel, he has no faith in what the angel tells him. No belief in that this can really happen. We read in verses 18 and 19, Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? Do you expect me to believe this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years and the angel answered him and i want you to hear this the angel answered him i am gabriel listen to it with that force i am gabriel i stand in the presence of god and i was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news i am gabriel this is the same angel that will later appear to mary and announce that She's going to have a baby. This is the same angel that 400 and some years earlier had appeared to Daniel back in the Old Testament. Gabriel, he's one of the few angels. There's about five angels in the Bible that we know names of. He's one of the few that we know a name for. Gabriel, it means God is my strength. The name also means God is my hero. I like that a lot. God is my hero. You know, just because you put on a mask and a cape and you run around in tights, that doesn't make you a hero. In fact, that in and of itself will get you locked up, okay? You put on a mask and cape and tights, they're going to lock you up. They're going to talk about you, you know. That's, that doesn't work. A hero has to prove himself, right? A hero has to be heroic. A hero has to prove that you can count on him. And for Gabriel, God had proven 
You can count on Him. That's what Zechariah was missing. He had stopped counting on God. He had stopped trusting in God. God is my hero because He comes through. God is my hero because He proves Himself. God wanted to prove Himself to Zechariah. And Zechariah's response was, do you expect me to believe this? And you can hear, you can hear the irritation in Gabriel's response. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. Here Zechariah was in this room called the holy place. Just outside of the room called the Holy of Holies where once a year the high priest would go and offer the sacrifice for all the people. Once a year the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and meet with God. You've seen Indiana Jones. You know all about that part, right? So, Zechariah is in the room right next to it. Zechariah is in the room outside of the presence of God. Gabriel says, I stand in the presence of God. You're doing this once. You're doing this one time. I stand in the presence of God. You're doing this one day. 24-7, I stand in the presence of God. I never leave the presence of God. And I think there's a lesson for us there. There's a lesson for us there about our doubt. God does not call you to a once-in-a-lifetime faith. God doesn't call you to a once-in-a-lifetime faith. He calls you to a 24-7 faith. And for a lot of people, coming to God is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. That one time when I got in trouble, I, I turned to God. That one time when things were falling apart, I turned to God. That one, that, that one really bad day when everything just went haywire, that was the day I turned to God. That's not what God calls for, and that's not the kind of faith that, that, that cures us of our doubts. We seek Him in the good days and in the bad days. We seek Him 24-7. We need that kind of faith that looks to God no matter what, that says, no matter what I encounter today, whether it's good or bad, God is my hero. God is my strength. You need that kind of faith. That's what shrinks those doubts. So in his doubt, Zechariah could only see what he was supposed to do there in that room. He could not see what God was going to do in his life. Doubt does that to us. Doubt paralyzes us. It paralyzes us to the good news. Now as someone who has been blessed with three children, I really feel for Zechariah here. His lack of faith, his, his focus on his doubts caused a very difficult judgment for him. A very difficult judgment for any father. He wasn't allowed to tell. His lack of faith, his focus on his doubt, caused him to, to lose the ability to tell. He says in verse, we read in verse 20, this is still Gabriel speaking, he says, and behold, you will be silent and be unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. Can you imagine? He can't tell. He can't talk until after his son is born. Can't tell your neighbors we're going to have a baby. Can't can't call up the family and say, hey, guess what? You're never going to believe it. We're going to have a baby. You can't go to your friends and complain about your wife's morning sickness. Nothing. can't tell. He can't tell people what's happening. It's completely silent. You see, it's more than just the news of a son. It's, more, it's the news of a, of a changed life. And I think that's where it hits us all 
His doubt wasn't just that he was going to be a father. His doubt was that God was working in his life. That God was doing something new in his life. That God was working out his salvation. That, that God was bringing his son into this world. That God was bringing peace and, and forgiveness. And you know, those are the kind of doubts that, that really should concern us. Doubts about God's presence. Doubts about God's love for us. Doubts about the forgiveness that he's given us and the grace that he's shown us. His doubt changed how the good news of God was going to be announced in this world. His doubt changed how the good news of God's working in, in this world and in his life was to be announced. Zechariah had been the recipient of this amazing vision and this amazing encounter with God, but rather than being able to be the one that heralded the coming of the prophet, and rather than being able to tell people the one that is coming in the spirit of Elijah is coming, and that's my son, he, he was silent. Rather than tell people that the, the Messiah was coming, Messiah would soon be born, he had to be silent. In the face of doubts, God preferred silence. And I think God still prefers silence. Because where doubts exist, good news is never good enough. You know what I mean? Where doubts exist, good news is never good enough. I'm never forgiven enough because of my doubts. I'm never loved by God enough. I'm never cared for enough. Where doubts exist, good news is never good enough. I never feel forgiven enough. I never trust in grace enough. And I look at the cross and I hear of God's gift of His Son. And part of me thinks, do you really expect me to believe this? But the wonderful thing for Zechariah and the wonderful thing for us is that God works beyond our doubt. Doubt doesn't stop the work of God. When we come to the end of the story, Zechariah is still blessed. He's still going to be a daddy. Elizabeth is still blessed. Elizabeth is still going to be a mommy. The world is still going to receive John the Baptist. Jesus is still going to be born. Christmas is still coming. Zechariah's doubts has not, have not stopped the work of God. Now Luke tells us that people got worried. He says that Zechariah was in there for a long time. You know, he, was, he was still inside. And they, they were starting to get worried about him. And, and then he came out, and it says in verses uh, 21 and 22, it says, and the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he, he kept making signs to them and remained mute. I have to wonder what the... He kept making signs to them. What, what was that like, you think? It sounds like he's playing charades with them. Okay. In there, I was in the room, I saw an angel, and my, my wife is going to have a baby, and I can't talk about it. <laughs> what, what was the signs like? But the best part of the story, the absolute best part of the story is Elizabeth's response. You know, I explained last week as we introduced the story that in those days, Every wife hoped to be a mother. And every mother hoped to have a son because every mother hoped that her son would grow up to be the Messiah. 
every mother wanted her son to grow up to be the Messiah, the one who would save his people. And Elizabeth was barren. And Elizabeth had, had now gone beyond the point of childbearing. But the grace of God came. And you look at Elizabeth's response in verses 24 and 25. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when He looked upon me to take away my reproach among people. Beyond the hope of nations, beyond peace on earth towards men of goodwill, Elizabeth felt this very personally. She felt her own need. She says, the Lord has taken away my reproach among people. You see, people believe that since Elizabeth didn't have children, that, that there must have been a problem with her, that, that she must have been disgraced, that she had sinned somehow, that, that God hadn't blessed her. And she says, the Lord has taken away my reproach among people. Your NIV Bibles say, the Lord has taken away my disgrace. That which caused people to look down on her that which, people, which caused people to view her as less or even worthless. In God's grace and in His plan, He took that away and she felt joy and peace from that. There are times when we might feel the reproach of others. There's times when we might feel disgrace because of our failings, because of the mistakes that we've made. Times when you, you definitely feel the reproach of other people, even the disgrace Sometimes we do that to ourselves because we get hung up on our sin and our guilt. Sometimes other people remind us of our sin and our guilt. Sometimes the enemy does that. Satan is called the accuser and, and he loves to remind us of our failings. But none of that changes the truth of what God is doing in your life. None of that changes the hope that you hold on to. I love how Paul puts it in. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, Paul says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you've given your life to Christ, if you've said yes to Jesus, if you belong to Him, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. There is no condemnation left for you. That guilt that you feel, that reproach that you feel, that disgrace that you feel, it's gone. And maybe like Zechariah, you find yourself saying, do you expect me to believe this? You might say that. That's the news that his son John would bring into, the, into this world. That one was coming who would proclaim release to the captives. Who would set us free from our sins. Who would set us free from our mistakes and free from our past. His son would come bringing news of, of freedom for God's people. A year later, the angels would announce to those shepherds on the hillside outside of, of Bethlehem, peace on earth towards men upon whom His favor rests. Peace on earth, peace for you. Despite your doubts about what God can do in your life, peace to you. Because God's grace is greater than our doubts. You know, ultimately... Christmas season isn't, a, isn't just our celebration of the birth of Christ. It's not just about what happened in, in Bethlehem. It's not just about this, although this is beautiful. It's about what God is doing in our lives. It's about what He's doing 
in our hearts. It's about the birth of Christ in you and the promise of a Savior in your life and in your heart. For all of those moments when you're reminded of your sin, when all those moments when you're reminded of all that you've stumbled over, never forget that beyond your doubts about yourself, beyond your doubts about what God has done, is an amazing God who so loves you that He would give His one and only Son. That if you would believe in Him, you would not perish, but you would have everlasting life. And you can hold on to His amazing grace. Let's stand together.